Welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with CPA and Personal Financial Specialist, Phil Putney. Now let's get rolling with today's show. Hey everybody, welcome into Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts with Phil Putney and myself here to talk investing, finance, and retirement, and retirement planning's hidden questions. I don't know if I'm totally crazy about this title, Phil. I don't know that they're hidden so much as they are. I think our focus gets put in places and we just kind of overlook them. Oh, I guess they overlook questions or. Yeah. yeah, Or, or we just, we know it's there, but we tend to maybe, uh, again, keep our focus on something else often. A lot of times are the importance of them. And yeah. 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 A lot of times I think our focus is on the big, you know, like just accumulating the money, right? Just getting the big number or whatever. Yeah. 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 So we're going to talk about a few of the things that uh, get, you know, kind of lurk in the shadows. I guess it's since it's Halloween month, it's lurking in the shadows uh, is uh, some of these things here. So we're going to talk about that this week on the podcast. You doing all right? Doing good. Doing good. Yeah. Yep. Good. Good. Loving the fall weather. So it's crisp air. is absolutely right. Love the cool nights. Not not melting your face is 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 good. I I love summer, but fall yeah. fall is pretty sweet, you know, because you got some really comfortable temperatures, and you can get a few more things done, especially yeah. here in the south, without having your your face fall off. Just the the uh, shorter days are what kills me. It's like oh, yeah, man, that's the that's the downside. You know, light yeah. out is you know pretty soon it's going to be you go to work in the dark, you come back at, at dark. It's like oh. yeah, that's the downside <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, but uh, well, then things really are hidden. Eh, there's my segue. There you go. All right. <laughs> Let's talk about a few of these things. I got a couple here identified I want to go through. Uh, Phil, how much are those tax deferred savings actually going to cost me in taxes? Yeah, right. That, that so, is always the question. Hidden, yeah. hidden in the term, right? It's not necessarily hidden. We know about it. We chose to do it, but we forget about it because we've been punting those taxes for 30 years. Oh, yeah. You mean I don't have a million dollars, but it says I'm a millionaire. Yep. That's so cool. No, you're a 700000 heir ish <laughs> Ish, yeah. Well, that, that's the challenge with that tax-deferred account is just that, is how much do you really have? I don't know. It, you know I always liken it to a, a tax-deferred a mortgage, right? I say IRA, 401k, that tax-deferred account you have, give it as mortgage. You, you owe the IRS X amount of taxes. The challenge with that mortgage is this. Number one, it's a variable rate mortgage, right? We don't know what that's going to be okay? because the rate right. on that mortgage is determined based on the tax rates and your income at the time you pull the money out. You know, so what what they are today okay. is pretty irrelevant, you know, unless you plan on doing something today or next year, you know, next three to five years. The further you go down the road, five, 10, 15 years down the road, that number becomes really fuzzy because we don't know what that potentially could be. Yeah. I mean, we, if we project taxes as they are today, yeah, yeah, we can break that's, that's what would happen. And that's how we plan. But I think the reality is there, there's a high probability that things can get much worse from a tax aspect as we go down that road. So, you know, and that's the other side of that variable rate mortgage. I always say is, you know, it's, it's a variable rate mortgage where the IRS controls the rate. So, so to put it in perspective, if you had a house with a rate mortgage that you didn't know what the rate was, the bank got to determine what the rate was when you pulled, when you paid it. That's what you have in that tax deferred account. You probably have signed that contract, but but you did. You're yeah, in that you may not sign that contract. You probably wouldn't sign that contract, right? Knowing what that that potential liability is, now you need to start planning and, and head around. How do we remove some of that unknown, or at least limit? the effect of that unknown going forward. 
Yeah. And so, folks, you can kind of see what I'm, what I'm driving at here a little bit where it's like, we know this, right? You chose to do it, but we, we lose track of it because it's, it gets so easy because, you know, you're pumping into the 401k, you're not dealing with the taxes later. And then one day later shows up, right? So you just got to make sure that you start thinking about it. I mean, the, the bottom line is we were all led to believe that when we were in retirement, we were going to be in a lower bracket. And for right. some people, that's the case. You know, typically for somebody that's prepared well for retirement, they've saved money, you know, they've accumulated enough assets. They have maybe a higher income, so they've got a higher Social Security benefit. Maybe they're fortunate enough even to have a pension. You know, so I mean, if that's your scenario, the there's a high probability you're not going to be in a little bracket. In fact, you might be in a higher bracket. Yeah. So it's better to find that out today. And, you know, once you're in retirement and you hit these RMD ages and, and ages down the road where all of a sudden you're getting blindside, so to speak, with these taxes, don't don't let that happen with knowing what it looks like today and, and hedging against it. So and, right. and again, you know it, so deal with it, right? So yep. maybe go ahead and start dealing with it a little bit earlier than waiting until the last minute. Uh, you know, like our federal government, right? Don't wait till the last minute to fix a problem. That's right. Kicking that can down the road, you know, just like the band-aid they just put on, you know. Oh, we'll deal with it in, in November. <laughs> exactly. All right. Number two, uh, how much can I withdraw from my savings each year? Right. So Again, a question that we all have, but maybe we don't put as much focus on it. We just sit there and go, um, well, I've I've built the money, right? We'll we'll stick with the million dollar 401k because that's an easy number for us to do math on here. But, you know, I've built a million dollar 401k. uh, And so how much money do I, you know, do I pull out? Should I pull out? Can I pull out, you know, annually? It's a it's a bigger question. It's not as hidden as maybe the other one. But I think the number obviously floats around a little bit. And again, I I think it's the wrong focus, because a lot of times people get caught up with that. That rule of thumb, right, is the four percent rule, and I mean that adjusted yeah. and manipulated sure. down the forty forty thousand dollars, million right. bucks. But yeah. I mean, the reality is, number one, that's probably too high, you know, based on the markets and projected future earnings on bonds and equities going forward. You know, number two is, do yeah. you really want your income determined based on a percentage of the account value? So, I mean, if you're account down thirty percent, do you want to take a thirty percent pay cut? Most people are probably not. So don't, I encourage people not to approach it that way. You know, in fact, I'm working with a a client right now that, you know, that's their question to me is, well, how much can I spend? I'm like, no, you're looking at it the wrong way. I said, what, what do you want to spend in retirement? What does your lifestyle look like? Start with that. Then let's set a plan Mm -hmm. to make that happen. You know, we'll, we'll get to what the distribution rates are. And is that a viable plan based on the amount you've accumulated? Because the withdrawal rate, can change the yeah. plan. I mean, if you're yeah. one obvious option is you're delaying Social Security, you know, in the early ages of retirement, you you may be drawing a sure, significant right. withdrawal, you know, maybe a 6%, which if you're looking at it, you're thinking, well, this is crazy. I can't do that. Well, you can't long term, but maybe for a short period of time that then later on the higher benefit kicks in. Now you're down to two right. or something. You know what I mean? So it, again, you've got you've to run that math to see what is the right strategy and plan for me. Don't focus on, well, I have a million, I can take 4%, so I've got 40000 a year because it, you're going to set up a, a, um, a plan that ultimately is going to fail your long term. So how, how much do I need yeah. than what the, what the strategy is to get there? Yeah. I can't remember which movie it's from, but the, the character <laughs> just always stuck in my head. The, the character said, you got to ride the horse that brung you. Yep. <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so it's like, so which, so which horse are you riding? Right. So are you riding more the social security horse, Absolutely. your own assets? You know, there's a, there's a strategy to it and it's going to be a little bit different for every single person, single person versus married couple, all going to be different. Right. You know, and then how you, you know, all that stuff. It's funny. You bring worst thing up because that's exactly one of the slides in my class presentation. When we get to that point, <laughs> we talk about social security and planning and all that. And right. you know, I, I bring up the, a slide that has the two horses on it. It says, which horse are you going to ride first? Social security or the assets? Yeah. You know? I'm going to have to find that movie clip. Now I feel like it was that slim Pickens guy. I feel yeah. like that was, it was him, but I don't think it was, but I just feel like it was, maybe it was blazing saddles. I don't know. It yep. might've been blazing saddles, but uh, good stuff. All right. Uh, number three, should I have life insurance when I'm retired? Big question. Also, uh, one I think that's gotten confused or distorted through the years, because, again, you talked about traditionally we've been led right. to believe earlier when you were talking about the uh, the tax situation. I think that we've been conditioned to think, well, we have insurance to cover things right. when our kids are growing in case we die so they can pay for college and they have income replacement. And then we've also been led to believe that we don't need insurance once the kids are grown and things, so on and so forth. It's not really necessary. But if if income replacement was one of the tools that you were going to use it for in your 40s, isn't it still maybe viable to think about it in your 70s? Absolutely. I mean, and it's, it's again, one of those misconceptions, I think, of getting into retirement of, oh, I'm at this age. I don't have a mortgage, maybe, you know, no kids in college, so I don't have life insurance anymore. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, and there's two sides of life insurance. There's the need. So do I need it? We'll run, run the numbers to see. You know, one of the processes we work yeah. with our clients on, every client when we go through the planning process is now that the plan works, if you both live to full life expectancies and nothing happens, what happens if one of you passed away today? Five, 10, 15 years down the road mm -hmm. in the plan because when either spouse passes, there's going to be two things that are going to happen. Number one, there's a loss of income. Even if you have just Social Security, the lowest of the benefits goes away. So that surviving spouse has less income. Yeah. If there was a pension in place, there's going to be potential pension benefits, you know, unless you elected the 100% survivor option. So you're going to have less income. The other side of it is the tax equation to say tax bracket. The difference is you go from married filing joint to single. So all those brackets get much smaller. They get compressed. So that's what we call the widow's penalty. I mean, it's unfortunately yeah. a living spouse who is now a widow, widow um, with less income gets pushed higher into the brackets. So there's all these things you have to look at. What does that scenario look like? Not a fun discussion, but it, it's a reality of, yeah, you need it. In fact, an unfortunate scenario, I'm working with a client today we've been working with for quite a few years now, had done that same scenario with them. You know, that was their opinion. Oh, we didn't need life insurance. Mm -hmm. We ran the numbers to say, well, I, I really recommend you get it. And, and we built out a plan where we kind of laddered it. I mean, you need more up front. The further you get into the plan, okay. the probability is you need less. Unfortunately, right. the husband diagnosed with cancer and died within a year, you know, and he had just retired. Um, so now the surviving spouse uh, has lost oh, Social Security. Um, he took a 65% survivor option. So she lost 35% of the pension. And now she's single, you know, for her, it's all going to work out fine because we run the numbers. He had life insurance. Yeah. And that's exactly why yep. sitting down with a professional can be so important, right? Because if they were, le if they had stayed with their own devices, right. they may have chosen not to get the insurance. They were headed that way based on just, you know, all the things that we're kind of used to doing uh, and having that sounding board, that third party, 
in right. you to look at it, yep. run the math and look at it and go, yeah, I can see where you're, you're coming from, but I'm really going to recommend right. that you keep it. And here's why. And then it wound up, you know, playing right into unfortunately life's, you know, strategy for them, life's plan for them. But again, that's the whole, right. I mean, that's like a microcosm of why you should talk to a professional right, yep. right there, you know, plan for the best, but prepare for that case scenario. Okay. Because, it's not going to happen exactly. to everyone, but exactly. same reason you have homeowners and auto insurance, right? I mean, most of the time you don't make, you don't make a claim. And you know what? We all, yeah. And we all hate insurance, right? Nobody likes their car insurance, their home insurance, pet insurance, uh, you know, whatever it might be. And we all can't stand right. Right. We can't stand making that payment, but the second we need it, we're like, whew, <laughs> I am so glad I had it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a medical insurance, right? I mean, I had the open heart surgery. If if we'd have had to pay for that ourselves, I'd still be paying for it. It was $300,000. That was 10 years ago. That's how much it cost 10 years. I can't even imagine what it costs now. All right. And speaking of medical, uh, what kind of medical coverage do I need uh, over and above Medicare? Great program. Does a lot. Doesn't do everything. Yeah. I mean, Medicare, we're, we're actually getting into that season right now. My son-in-law, Brandon, uh, works with all our clients on that. So it's that open enrollment timeframe where those that are on, you know, the Medicare Advantage plans, the drug plans have the opportunity to make a change of their plan for next year. But yeah, so there's a piece of it, um, but there's there's gaps, right? There's deductibles, there are co-pays. Probably the easiest one to understand is, so part A is hospitalization, part B is going to be doctor visits. Mm -hmm. B is probably the easiest to understand, most familiar in that it's an A20 policy. So Medicare pays 80% of covered costs. The first catch is covered, right? Only Medicare approved costs. So if your doctor is charging $3,000, Medicare only approves two, well, their dollar gap, you're on the hook for potentially. You know, and the other part is that 20% that your share, well, yeah. there's no, right? There's no maximum out of pocket under Medicare that you would have to pay. So if you just had Medicare and you had your $300,000 surgery, well, you're $60,000 out of pocket. You know, I mean, it, provided they approve the whole 300, it could be greater than that. So you need to have some kind of a, a supplemental or an advantage, some some additional insurance to help fill the gap. So, yep. So that whole Medicare side of it, there's a, it's very confusing, a lot of options and opportunities, but don't discount it. You've got a, a great opportunity when you first enter Medicare to be able to pick whatever you want without medical underwriting. But then as you go through the plan, you know, and start to age, now you can have some limits. So work with a professional on that to make sure you're getting the right plan and, and strategy up front. And to your point, since it is that time of the year here in October, let's go ahead and just remind folks, if you need some, you know, yep. especially in the, around that situation, if you need some help on the Medicare side conversation, definitely talk with a specialist. Again, that can be really important too. A lot of us try to go figure out Medicare and on our own, and you can go through and do the steps, but uh, yeah. my mom's learned the hard way was she, you know, she's now been messing with it now for 15 years. And then she, she's definitely learned Absolutely. the hard way. She Absolutely. can navigate it pretty good yep. now. But there's a lot of advantage to even talking to a Medicare specialist. So certainly consider doing that. Yeah, do that as well. Okay. Uh, final one. Uh, how much am I really paying in fees and commissions? Out of all these on the list, this one probably is the truly hidden one. Again, we know that that we we know that there's fees and we know they're pay that we pay them. But I think most people get focused when I use that as the point earlier, Phil, they get focused on the my guy or gal charges me one percent. 
and that's my fee. Yeah, I mean, there's that on top, and that's of, not you it. know, especially if you're in if you're looking at if you're uh, investment advisor using mutual funds, right? Because mutual funds are are famous for this or infamous for this because there's potentially a lot of hidden fees built within that fund that you don't see. I mean, it's just in that net return. So, I mean, fees are important, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a yeah. determinant of you know what your net performance sure. is. But it's one aspect of the big picture. You know, I mean, we focus, don't focus on it, but we disclose this is what it is, this is how it works. But the reality is what happens net of fees. A good example is this. I mean, it. you know, you can get into an S&P mm -hmm. um, ETF, which has very little fee, you know, hardly any fee, but they're just trying to mirror an index. Versus if you go into a large cap strategy that's still similar underlying investments, but now you've got a manager managing a strategy well, there's going to be more fees involved in that. But it, that's apples and oranges, right? They're not the mm -hmm. same thing. You, you, the sure. bottom line in that is, number one, is that the right fit? You know, are, are the, the the ETF, low fee, but you're riding the market. Are you comfortable with a 50%, 60% loss? I mean, that's, that's what you get for low fee because there's no one really managing that strategy. Right. Versus an actively managed yeah. strategy, you may be paying a higher fee, but – you know, now there exactly. potentially are some some strategies in place to hedge that downside, get a better performance long term. So it really comes down to fee, fees are important, but I think there's way too much focus put on them. And, and they're only relevant in comparing apples and apples. And there's so many products with fees that and again, we, we tend to focus on we tend to focus and, and reiterate that that one percent right. is what my advisor is charging. So that's what I'm paying in our mind. We all we absorb that and kind of right. go, yeah, I'm only paying one percent. To your point, mutual funds have fees. That's, that's, Different absolutely. kinds of annuities are going to have fees. Obviously, variable annuities are certainly can be very high in fee. There's front loads, there's back end loads on products. There's lots of yes. things. Yeah, and I'm, I'm by no means saying don't look at the fees. Look at the fees. Understand the fees. Sure. You know, understand oh, what yeah, you're yeah. paying. But at the end of the day, it, it's it should be the determining factor. You know, because you have to look at yeah. what you're paying for. An annuity, you know, might have a lot of high fees, but it's generating a guaranteed income. Is it worth it? Is what are you trying to accomplish? You know, it's not that it, it's not necessarily worth it. Can you can you do something very similar with a lower fee product? Probably. It's looking at like a variable annuity has a lot higher fees. If you're looking at it for guaranteed income, well, you can generate guaranteed income with another type of an annuity, an index annuity, you know, with a much more manageable fee. So it, it's a matter of comparing two similar products. Now you can say, okay, yeah, fees become really relevant at that point. And I think that was my point, right? So, cause sometimes people will go, oh yeah, I've got this product and I'm making 5% right. and my guy or right. gal charges me one. So I'm clearing 4%. But then when you really look at what's inside the fees of the product, maybe, maybe right. it's two. 2% there. So you're actually yeah. making two, you know, so it's just understanding exactly just like anything right. attached to fees in life. We all know that there's money attached to everything. Nothing's free. Absolutely. It's the value you're getting. And does it make right sense mathematically? So if you're in a product that is, is making you three or 4% after all the fees and you're good with that. Great. But just don't necessarily think you're making three or four or 5% if you may not be, that's all. Yeah. I mean, as long as that fits your strategy, you know, and yep. Fees are important, but I just encourage you, don't make that your focus. Because if you do, yeah. you're going to get led down the wrong path. So Okay, great point. 
Great point. And that's going to do it for the podcast. So some hidden questions to ponder here on the uh, Phil's Tax Hacks and other retirement facts with Phil and I talking about these things. So again, often important, very important little pieces that we, again, we all typically know about this stuff, but we tend to put our focus in just certain corners uh, of the financial world, especially when we don't do this every day. So if you need some help, reach out to Phil and of course, subscribe to the podcast so that you can hear these useful little nuggets of information that we do, uh, just about, well, actually every week. So if you need some content or you need some content, if you need some help, reach out to Phil and get on his calendar. If you want the content, just subscribe to the show. I'll get it right. One of these days, I've only been doing this for years. Uh, give him a call at, uh, at, Three, two, one. Give them a call at 248-888-7530, 248-888-7530, or just stop by philstaxhacks.com. That's philstaxhacks.com. For Phil Putney, I'm Mark Killian. We'll see you next time here on Phil's Tax Hacks and Other Retirement Facts. Phil? Investment advisory services offered through AFS Wealth Management. The content of this program is provided for informational purposes only and is not a solicitation or recommendation of any investment strategy. Investments and or investment strategies involve risk, including the possible loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment strategy will achieve its objectives.